You know what? We're here to shorten your learning curve and give you new ideas, insights, information you can apply to your farming operation. And we got a great one for you today. We're talking about variable rate seeding of corn. Um, maybe there's something you're already doing. Maybe it's something you've never even considered. Maybe it's something you've never even heard of. Welcome to Extreme Ag's Cutting the Curve podcast, where we cut your learning curve with insights you can apply immediately to your farming operation. This episode is presented by Loveland Products. When it comes to crop inputs, you need products that are field proven to deliver both results and value. For more than 50 years, Loveland Products has been providing farmers with high-performance, value-driven product solutions designed to maximize productivity on every acre. Visit lovelandproducts.com to see how their innovative products can help you farm more profitably. And now, here's your host, Damian Mason. Well, greetings and welcome to another fantastic episode of Extreme Ag's Cutting the Curve. Kelly Garrett had a big phone call a week ago with Matt Swanson. Matt is one of our uh, affiliates in Western Illinois, sharp young guy. He's uh, recorded with me in a previous episode. If you haven't heard it, go and listen to it. Um, and he's uh, reaching out to the old grizzled veteran that is Kelly Garrett in Erie and Iowa and saying, hey, what's this deal about variable rate seeding? So Kelly's got experience with it. They had a conversation and then it came up like, hey, maybe we should actually make this a podcast. So, you know, that's the great thing. We're always looking at stuff that's being discussed internally and behind the scenes and how we can bring it to you. How'd the call go? How'd it start out, Swanson? You called up Kelly and said, I think that maybe I'm putting more seed where I don't need it or less seed where I do need it. What's your experience? Yeah, so actually the, the call started with a, we've done some variable rate seeding in the past, but we had talked amongst the group about kind of lowering our seeding rates in general. And the question I asked Kelly was, how are you actually figuring yours? You know, in the past, we've kind of done, uh, I don't know, kind of a shotgun approach to it where we say, okay, this is what I think we need to seed here. And I like to have a little more calculated way of figuring it i guess and yep. so i asked kelly uh how he was doing his and that was kind of the start of the conversation all right so how are you doing it mr garrett i believe that you can raise six tenths of a pound of grain per stock that's a plus work so on normal dry land production corn i hope to average a half and if i don't average a half i feel like i'm wasting seed half yeah, a so pound half a pound of grain per stock yeah, I remember you, you, it was the first time I ever really thought about how many pounds, I mean, obviously 56 pounds per bushel, all that stuff. I never thought about pounds per stock until I started working with Extreme Ag and you used that number, that 0.6 pounds of corn coming off of each stock. And so the thing is that that's what you want to achieve, but you're talking about doing when you vary the population, you then vary the number of stocks, which means if you're at your 0.6 pounds, you have less stocks, you're not going to hit your number. So I guess I'm trying to figure out here why the variable rate seeding was something you even, I know why you did it in soybeans. Because you told me that a soybean plant will grow in and you did big experiments with that where you cut way back. But with corn, it seems to me that we should be doing, what is it, 28,000 per acre or something like that? What's a normal rate? Well, Yes, you know, 28. I think probably a lot of people are more like 32 to 35, actually. And I think that you're I think you're wasting seed at that level from a blanket approach. Starting in 2015, my low yielding acres, we planted 24,000. My high yielding acres, we planted up to 32,000. And if you work that out, uh, you know, um, 
if you work that out, 32,000 is obviously, I'm hoping for 16,000 pounds of corn. You know, that's 286 bushel per acre on 32,000. I believe at a half a pound of grain, 32,000, that's 16,000 pounds. Like I said, that's 286. And if you're not raising 286 everywhere, you're wasting seed. Now, I have areas that we do raise that, but in the thinner areas, we don't. And I'm pretty sure that 24,000, that's obviously 12,000 pounds of seed. That's like 212. Well, my average proven yield is 215 over the whole whole field. And so really even 24,000 was too high. And so like this year, I wanted to take the upper end up to 35, which is 312,000 bushels, my expectation. 312, yeah, 312 bushel. The low end, I wanted to take down to 20,000, which is 10,000 pounds of seed, which is like 178. Because way, I, wait, 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 real quick. You keep saying 10,000 pounds of seed. Don't confuse that. That's not, that's right. not the seed that's coming out of the bag. That's the, that's the great. Yes. Yield. Ten, yes. Yeah, great. So, so for, for, for clarification, let's use the term seed when we're talking about what you're going from a bag into your planter, into the dirt, and let's use grain because yeah, I just was running those numbers. I'm like, wait a minute, that's not that many pounds of seed. Um, no, yeah, so, understood. So yeah, 24,000 uh, plants in your lower yielding area, if you get a half a pound per plant, that's 12,000 pounds, which punches out the 214 bushel acre. And, you know, people are saying, wait a minute, he's a high yield guy. 214 bushel ain't that much. That's in your low yield area. In your right. higher yielding area, you're at 286 bushel. Obviously, if it's a mixed average, you're going to be, at, you know, 240, 250. But here's the next question. Why don't you put more plants in the low yielding area and bring it to a up to a higher yielding area? Matt. No, I mean, we've seen, especially on our, our timber soil hillsides and those places with double bond clays that don't respond well, especially to dryness. You know, we've played with some down to 26, 28,000, but and seen, especially depending on the hybrid, some really great response, like plant response to being at that lower population. It's just not standard. You know, if you have a if you polled a hundred growers in central and west central Illinois, you know, their average planting population, like Kelly says, is probably closer to it's at least 32, I would guess, and probably closer to 34. And by and large, guys aren't raising that kind of corn. By the um, way, you know you're talking to a guy that's where the where the Midwest meets the prairie when he calls stuff timberland soils, meaning <laughs> not not the uh, not the yeah. prairie of twelve foot topsoil like they have in Champaign. He has to he has some of that lowly ground that actually once grew oak trees, um, which is all that we have in my part of the world. Um, here's my question: You came up with this idea, Swanson, and you said maybe we're just wasting seed. That's nothing that we normally thought about. I never heard about people thinking you were putting too much seed in the ground, then then it wouldn't even give oh. it a benefit. It hasn't for years and years we thought more seed equals more yield, right? Yeah. And that's, I mean, that was the standard thing. And that's still today, if you go to a seed meeting and, and there's a particular researcher that I have in mind right now, that's going to tell you, you're not planting thick enough, at least in the long run. If you're in the and business of selling seed, it's good to tell people they need to buy more seed, right? Right. And we first started having this discussion. I would say this discussion is more prevalent on the soybean side where guys are talking about pulling their planting populations back from the, you know, when I was a little kid, we planted 220, 200, 200, 225,000 seeds on the bean side mm -hmm. um and now we talked about now we're going 140 and now there's guys kelly included they're talking about going down to 80 but on the corn side 
the discussion has constantly been, okay, we planted 28, now we're going to plant 30. We planted 30, now we're going to plant 32. It's always been higher. And sitting around probably a coffee table or at a bar five or six years ago, talking to Kevin and to Kevin Matthews and some of the other guys is where I first heard this idea of maybe we're planting too thick on the corn side. Yeah, well, it, it's first off, um, if you're from corn and soybean country, you know that soybeans, if you ever had to walk the soybean fields as a kid to, you know, hoe out volunteer corn, that's an era before you, Swanson, I know, because you've been always around with, uh, you know, glyphosate tolerant soybeans. You knew that soybean plants bushed out. So it made sense when I started hearing from Kelly that he's going do, doing a trial with 64,000, uh, you know, population soybeans. I'm like, yeah, that makes sense. They get big, bushy, you know, whatever. But corn plants don't do that. So I, I can kind of, as you said, man, it, it makes sense to think about reducing population on soybeans because they can, uh, you know, fill in. But corn doesn't. Corn doesn't bush out. So why does this work, Kai? The, the corn the corn will flex. You know, I mean, the, the, the general thought or conventional thought, prevailing thought, there's the term I need. The prevailing thought is, is that corn anymore has a fixed ear and doesn't flex. And that is not true. You know, it maybe won't put a second ear on all the time, but the you can pack more starch into those kernels, bigger, heavier kernels. Corn, every every ear, every hybrid flexes, whether you can see it or not, doesn't mean that it that it's not flexing. And we we really are are very over planting our seed corn. More seed does not equate to more yield. My perspective is. I want to look at every square foot of land I have, and I want to come up with an estimate or a forecast of how many pounds of corn that square foot can produce, and I want to get by with as few seeds as possible. Why, why would you want to? More, more, seeds might equate to, more seed might equate to more ears, but it doesn't equate to a bigger yield. You just have smaller ears. And yeah, so that's the tough, tough. I'm, I'm sure that's the part, Matt, that if your neighbors here that you're experimenting with this are just, it's, it's hard to get their head around it because they're going to say, well, how in the hell could you ever get a good yield if you're not putting enough plants out, right? That's yeah, the so first six, six years ago, I looked, actually, I think the first year Kevin and I talked about this, like I said, it's been quite a while ago because I was still dealing with a seed company at the time. But um, I went to the seed company's website and I pulled all of their plot results down from my area, Okay. And we use this half pound number kind of in our discussions. And that year, which was a good year here, the average pounds per ear based on the plot results was like 0.35 pounds per ear. Kelly's talking about 0.5. In a dryland environment, we think we can get to 0.6. So you're almost half the size of ear that we know is relatively uh, accomplishable. Maybe not even the half the size, but half the weight. Half the weight. Yeah, yeah. half the uh, weight. Right. The, the the weight, I guess, is all I'm discussing. When I say size. Yep. Yeah, so I know. I mean, but just for the maybe there's somebody listening that doesn't really grow corn, and they might think weight is entirely indicative or or based on size, and there's not because there's test weight issues and kernel size and all that. So that's all I wanted to make sure for the person that's not a well versed. You said 0.35 is what you did. Yeah, well, 0.35 is what I calculated off the out of all of their plot results on average. So, uh -huh. and then, and, you know, you think about this to expand on Kelly's point, you take this in a timber soil environment and you plant a hybrid that flexes a lot. Like there's one popular one that I can think of right now. And you plant that hybrid down at 20,000, 24,000. And that thing puts like 
baseball bat size ears on it, the size of my forearm. Now there are some changes you have to make because of that, because the, you know, that's a lot of weight hanging out there. But when you put, say you put 34,000 in that environment, you've got to feed 34,000 plants or 33,000. Exactly. And all that material that's going to feed those plants could be putting grain on two thirds of those ears if you had them out there. Yeah. So that I want to get into fertility before I do that. Okay. So I think you've sold me on the idea, the person that, you know, at the coffee shop that says, well, how in the hell are you ever going to get a good yield? You put out two thirds as many, or, you know, 70% as many uh, plants as you should have. And Kelly already answered it. You already answered it, Matt. You said, well, uh, then you're getting more, more kernel weight and more, more kernels per ear. Um, Variable, variable application really is kind of a thing that came up with GPS, right? Like you could finally, a sprayer didn't have to put the exact same amount of stuff out. And then a fertilizer spreader, we didn't do any of this until the advent of GPS. So about what, 20 or so years ago, right, Kelly? And that makes sense to my head when they started telling me about that two decades ago, like, yeah, why are we putting the same off fertilizer in this low area with more organic matter than up there on that knob? I'm like, yeah, it all makes sense. Easier to do with all the technology to fling different pounds of fertilizer out uh, going across the field. How do you do that with a planter? How do you, it's one thing to say, yeah, I'm varying it. This field over here, that's prairie soils to match vernacular. I'm going to put in more, but this slopey timber soil, I'm going to put in less. You just set your planter when you change fields. How do you do that going across the same field? Ours is uh, derived from our yield map or really, and we try to use three years of yield history just to make sure there's not an anomaly. And so that yield map is how we make all our decisions. Evan, Mike Evans puts that into the software program that we use. Three years of yield data builds the different zones and then it, it spits out what we call a prescription. You load that into the GPS on the tractor and every field has a different prescription. The planner operator, be it Richie or, or my son, Connor, they, uh, they've got to load the correct prescription when they pull into the field and then the computer tells the planner what to plant. And, and it varies as you're going down, the, as you're going across the field, it varies and will put out either 24,000 pounds up to 32,000, I'm sorry, through 2,000 kernels uh, seed. My, my now, this year we went from 22,000 to 35 because we feel we've made enough agronomic strides or progress that we needed to raise the top end. But I also feel we've learned enough that we needed to, we could save more on the bottom end. And uh, I wanted to go all the way down to 20,000. Evans was afraid of what my dad would say if we went all the way to 20. So he went to 22. <laughs> you know, like I, uh, this year, my corn on 4,000 acres made a 200 bushel average. And I, and because of the forecast from my weather service, we turned our prescriptions down from 29.5 to 28. And my corn made 200. And I just calculated that that's four tenths of a pound. So I wasted 20% of the seed. I would tell you, that I would reasonably expect 200 bushel corn to be from t- an average of 22,400 seeds. By the and way, I would all- is it, you said Go you ahead. went from, what was your number? You went from 22 to 35? Yep, 22 and, on the and, low end to 35 now. We used to right. be 24 to 32, now we're 22 to 35. And you were going to go, you are going to go lower than 20, 22, but you, uh, Evans was afraid of your old man. Yep. 
right. I want to hear about uh, Matt applying this after your conversation and what his plan is for next year. I want to talk about cost savings on seed. And then I want to hear about feeding the plant because obviously there's going to be different uh, nutrients out there where you're 22,000 versus where you're 35,000. Before we do that, I want to remind you, dear listener, you work hard at keeping your field's fertility level up. But if fertility is unavailable or underutilized, you're not maximizing your investment, are you now? Agrison, one of our business partners, a fantastic company, has an innovative biocatalyst product line available exclusively from Nutrient Ag Solutions that will help reduce plant stress and release fertility for healthy, high-yielding crops. Contact your local Nutrient Ag Solutions crop consultant to learn more and increase your results. The point is, if you've got fertility out there and your crops are stressed, or more importantly, your fertility is not available, you're losing money. Agerson's innovative biocatalyst products can help you. Look it up, find out more from your Nutrient Ag Solutions crop consultant. All right. Um, you're going to do this this year, Matt, based on your conversation with Kelly. You've kind of been circling around this anyhow, but now you're going to implement it more full-time. Tell us your plan. Yeah. So one of the things that Kelly and I disagree about in this conversation is I do not like putting yield results into my equations because I feel like in some instances it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy, right? So one of the things that we're doing instead of that um, is that we're going to use a soil sensor system that's basically going to allow us to see where water flows and sits in the field and where it runs off and doesn't sit. So basically what are our driest areas of the field, what are our wettest areas of the field? And that's going to be our base layer. Now, after we do this for a few years, we'll use yield to refine those zones. But what I don't want to do is use yield right out the gate. <clears throat> One, because I used to work on yield monitors and I know how problematic they can be at times. And two, again, it becomes that, that self-fulfilling prophecy question. So we're going to start with our base layer being that basically soil water map, soil water and topography map yep. um, and go from there. But from there, um, and like Kelly said, it's as simple as, as writing up the prescription, and then for our planner, that will then plant that prescription row by row. Uh, it's not even a, a section thing, so every 20 inches, um, you could be running a different prescription, theoretically. Um, 24. By the way, just for the person listening, 24-row planner? Uh, it's 36-row 20, but same 60-foot width. Yeah. Thank you. Yep. So... Essentially, that's what we're doing. And Kelly and I actually continued this conversation. I think with the equipment that's available today, we could probably, and we probably will, if I can uh, get it put on, do some trial work to not only vary the population, but in those timber soil areas, maybe change the hybrid based, you know, to a hybrid that maybe is more conducive to those low pop environments that flexes a little harder. All right. So we're doing this for yield. Well, the point is you don't want to lose yield. Uh, well, we're not so doing that, it for yield. We're doing it for return on investment. That's you're doing it for you're doing it for reduction of seed cost. And and in the old days, you just said, "Hey, man, seed don't cost that much. Seed's pretty expensive, right?" So, is the payoff, Matt, that you're looking for just in seed? No, I mean we're it's a total it's a total picture. So if you're over planting, you could be hurting. You, I mean, if you're over planting your seed, you could absolutely hurt your yield just based on the fact you overplanted it. And yep. to take this to an extreme, you have a guy that goes, just your average guy says, okay, I'm going to do an NCGA plot for next year. And instead of planting 34, I'm going to plant 42. And he doesn't adjust anything else unless the weather's super cooperative. That's a bad day, uh, depending on what the base fertility is. 
So yeah, we're trying to bring our seed cost down. That's a portion of it. But Matt, we're trying to also ensure Matt, you just used the NCGA plot idea. The point you're making there was if you went way up to 42,000 plants they, and you get the germination, you're not going to, I think, amount to a dam because it doesn't have the fertility. You didn't do the right, you didn't feed 42,000 plants, is what you're pointing Yeah, is. and it's the same. That's right. It's the same problem in a microcosm on those timber hillsides. If you plant 32,000 on those timber hillsides and you have a dry year, you're not going to have the fertility available. To even feed that 32,000. So you've essentially dinged up your yield just by planting 32,000. And 32 is a standard, a fairly standard rate, at least where I'm at. Okay. <clears throat> Cost savings on seed. Kelly, you got a lot of acres that you're dealing with. So last year you planted, I mean, in crop year 2022, you planted 3,600 acres of corn, roughly, right? Right. Okay. So I just calculated it. The difference between I was hoping that you went see now the listener doesn't watch if they're just listening, but I'm watching right. and I noticed that you were checking out, monkeying around your phone, and I kind of took it personally. Like me and Swanson are like, dude, if you don't want to be a part of our conversation, you know, just hang up. But you actually were looking at your phone doing something important. You were actually running some math because right. you knew you knew I was going to ask you what you saved on seed. So I made you because I made a few notes ahead of time to be prepared for you. But that was one thing I didn't uh, calculate. I didn't think about that was the seed savings. So, you know, I would say, Matt, a three hundred dollar bag of seed. Are you comfortable, you know, using that as a as a so a three hundred dollar bag of seed? There's eighty thousand uh, kernels. OK, at thirty two thousand seeds per acre, that's one hundred and twenty dollars an acre seed cost. All right. If you turn it down to. If you turn it down to 28, it goes to 105. So there's a $15 an acre savings. Yeah, and you just went from what to what to get that $15? Just to go, just going from 32 to 28,000 saves $15 an acre. And by the way, and and we we always say this we're doing our recordings. You know, we're having record farm income in 2022. 15 bucks, you know, it can blow in the wind. But there's been years when you made $70 an acre and said it was a pretty damn good year. 15 bucks is a significant portion, you know, of $70 on a normal year of what your per acre profitability might look like. In our operation, we're going to have about 5,000 acres of corn next year. That's $75,000. That's real money. And I, you know, I used to say there isn't necessarily one thing I can do today to make a hundred thousand, but there's 10 things I can do to make 10,000. Yeah. And that's an example of that right there. That $15 an acre is real money. $15 an acre potentially could uh, be a, a big portion of my inferral program. You know, maybe a grower listening goes from 32,000 to variable rate seeding 28, takes that $15 an acre and puts it into an inferral program and then realizes a yield gain with the same budget. That's real much. That's all net. Then. That's Matt, it. Do those, do those numbers mesh up with what you're projecting for your 23 plan? Uh, yeah. So I was, when he was talking, I was doing my own. So we're all non-GMO corn, so our seed cost is is fairly significantly lower than what than what Kelly's is going to be, but it still comes out to fifteen or twenty thousand, or fifteen or twenty thousand, fifteen or twenty dollars an acre if we fall from what the standard rate is for my area to twenty eight thousand. Now that twenty eight thousand, by the time you do the math, if you're planting twenty eight thousand of this formula, we're talking about two hundred and fifty bushel corn, which there's not a whole lot guy of guys in my area there's a handful depending on what your percentage of what dirt you have but a 250 bushel a APH is still pretty strong okay? yeah yeah so we're not yeah we're not talking about 
you know, 200 bushel corn across the farm. If you're talking about 200 bushel corn across the farm, like Kelly said, you're, you're down the 20 to $24,000 or seeds per acre range. Yeah. And which then obviously 22 to 24,000 instead of 32, again, you're taking probably about another 15 bucks. So all of a sudden 15 bucks an acre of seed cost savings becomes 25 or 30 bucks seed cost savings, right? Yeah, absolutely. And, Ke and Kelly's spot on. I, I don't, people get, oh, well, $15 is nothing. $15 is $15. I, I don't care where it comes from. I mean, like Kelly said, that could be in your info program. I mean, $15 is like half of my corn herbicide program for next year. So exactly. It, it's real money. You know, yeah. and I would, th this is different year in and year out, but you know, this year we had 200 bushel corn. We're used to 230 for the on-farm average. And the reason is because it was dry. Well, I would tell you that I, I wish now looking at my num notes here, I wish now that I'd only planted 24,000 seeds. And I bet you that my corn would have been two or three bushel better because there's that much less vegetation that we needed to feed. Matt touched on that a little bit earlier. If I, if I had 4,000 less plants that I had to grow, that could have been put towards yield, just like Matt said. And in a dry year, not only are you going to save those input dollars, mm -hmm. but I believe that your yield will be better. I have a friend in the Panhandle, Oklahoma, Jared McDaniel, and he talks about the low pot mafia. He's irrigated down there, but they don't have all the water they want to use. He's planting 18,000. Yep. And he, he can spread his water around and, you know, he doesn't always raise a huge yield on 18,000, but he makes a lot of money and that's yields great and yields impressive. And we all want to be high yield growers, but the pile, I'm not worried about a big pile of corn. I'm worried about a big pile of money. That's the most important pot. I like it. Feeding the plant, Mr. Swanson, just for the person that says, okay, I want to stay with Swanson on the 2023 journey he's going to be on where you're doing variable rate seeding. You're going to do that across all your corn acres. Everything's going to be at variable rate. Yeah, it will be. Yep. And then, and obviously your slopey stuff that's a timberland soil, as you call it, is going to get less. Your better prairie, flat, topsoil, heavy places are going to get uh, more. What are you going to vary on your feeding? Just, just same products across all corn acres, but it's going to have a little bit more where there's more plants and a little bit less than there's others? Uh, not necessarily. So the places that have less plants are typically the places that are less naturally fertile or they have less water. So the fertility is not, doesn't come out of the ground as easily. One thing that's maybe the easiest kind of nutrient to wrap your head around in my soils anyway, potassium. We have a, a chronic potassium problem in the summer because we have double bond clays it gets dry, those clays essentially lock the potassium particle away, okay? So those timber hillsides are horrible about it because typically the topsoil is eroded and the, there's a higher percentage of that soil that's that double bond clay uh, soil, okay, or, or particle, I guess. So in that situation, even at the lower planting population, we're still going to have to put more potassium on or the same amount of potassium on in those areas in our side dress because those soils are naturally less fertile with potassium or they have less water to make the potassium available. And that goes in varying ways across all of the nutrients. All of the nutrients have their own responses to water and what their availability is in water. So, you know, we may have areas that we plant at 35 that we're shooting for, I don't know what that is, 320 probably uh, for a 320 yield. Mm -hmm. But our nitrogen rates in that area may actually be lower as far as applied rates because that those soils are naturally very fertile yep. Yep. and with the water holding there that fertility is going to be available 
So uh, you're you're gonna not even use the same mix of products in some places. You're gonna vary the seed. You're gonna save the money, and then you're gonna also vary not just the quantity of fertility products, but even the products themselves. Yeah, we're gonna. I mean, there's gonna be some that are fairly consistent. Things like boron that are leachable that we're gonna apply. And here's the truth of the matter: I don't know anybody that can can variable rate every nutrient individually on every pass across the field because it's right. complicated, right? Right. right, right. Um, but there's going to be a base mix, and then we'll change the majors or the most expensive ones. So to wrap this up, the the skeptic that's out there saying, "Yeah, I listen to this, but you know what? That wouldn't work here." That's the famous thing, by the way. Farmers in particular love to do that. Yeah, that would never work here. That works out there in Iowa and Illinois. It wouldn't work here in Kansas. Anyway, what's the what do you got to say to them, Kelly? Do you know what the most expensive sentence in farming is? I've always done it this way. Yes, sir. Grandpa, grandpa, I did, grandpa and dad did it this way. That's um, right. Most, okay, expensive, so- most expensive sentence in farming. Uh, Kip Kohler's, when I, we listened to him speak, he yeah. said, if you can't take 10% of your acres and do research and trials on them, you're already broke. You just don't know it yet. Matt, your thought, um, uh, to the because to, you're obviously you were you were planning on doing it you called up kelly is there anything that you are like saying i'm gonna do it but i'm worried about this or i'm gonna do it but i think that my big learning curve is going to be here what do you think well i mean the, the hardest part of this is trying to predict yield right uh you're kelly and i are both well mostly kelly me 100 percent. it's a dry land environment and there's a crucial component i have no control over right yeah. so the hardest part is trying to predict the yield part of this, but to answer your question, I mean, there's guys in, you know, dryland, Colorado, dryland, Kansas, planting eight, 9,000 getting 120, 130, 150 bushel corn. So don't tell me it's not possible. Yeah. It's just a matter yeah. of adapting your system to it. And, and, and I know you talked about the water thing. You're, we're all three in United States. We're less, we're less likely to just have a failure because of water. So, I mean, it's, it's a consideration, but it's not your primary consideration. You, I mean, using historical averages, you probably can make this work. Yeah. I don't, I don't think it'll be oh, yeah. a huge issue. It's, I mean, it's going to take a few years to fine tune like anything. I don't, I don't, yeah. we're not expecting to hit it. I like it. Variable rate seeding on corn. We're talking to Kelly Garrett and Matt Swanson. Matt's going to roll it out in 2023. Stay tuned because we will revisit this topic to find out mid-season and end of season what he's seeing and what his results look like. Um, And Kelly Garrett uh, obviously has been doing this for a while. I think it's great that uh, Mike Evans, brilliant agronomist, puts together a prescription then says, hey, but let's not quite do this because we want to make Kelly's dad mad. Anyway, see, we're still, we're still, we're still out here. His, his thing at the end of the podcast, Matt, he said, you know, always do it this way because that's what dad did. And what did he admit earlier in the podcast? Him and Evan got together and still, still went and worried about what, what Gene Garrett was going to say. All right. Till next time, I'm Damian Mason. Thanks for being here. It's Extreme Ag's Cutting the Curve. That's a wrap for this episode of Extreme Ag's Cutting the Curve but there is plenty more available by visiting extremeag.farm. For over 50 years, farmers have turned to the proven lineup of crop inputs offered by Loveland Products. From seed treatments, plant nutrition, adjuvant, and crop protection products, Loveland has the complete lineup to keep your farming operation productive and most importantly, profitable. Check out lovelandproducts.com to learn more.